Hello and welcome to the Real Food Whole Health Podcast, where it's all about real food and holistic living in the real world. With your host, nutritional therapist, Amy Love. And please note our disclaimer, all information and content in this podcast is for general information only and not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Thanks for joining us on the Real Food Whole Health Podcast. Today we have Jessica from Delicious Obsessions. Jessica, hi. Thanks for being with us today. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to chatting with you. Oh, I'm so excited that you're here. We've been connected online for so long, and I feel like in so many ways um, our journey has kind of been like happening together. Yeah, I agree. I was just thinking back. You were really like one of the first people that I met. Um, I think probably all the way back in 2010. So yeah, yeah we've been I think so too. For a long time. A long time. Yeah. Doing this crazy blogging uh-huh. thing. Now we're doing crazy podcasting thing. Right. <laughs> so um, yeah, I know that you, um, you'd had some health issues, like I had had health issues and that kind of brought you to real food, right? Yeah. I, um, I actually grew up eating lots of real food. Like my mom oh, nice. was um, a real foodie before it was cool. Like she was awesome. buying, you know, organic before it was trendy. And um, I, I grew up eating, you know, lots of vegetables. They gardened um, lots of uh, wild game. Like my parent or my dad and my brother um, hunted every fall and would stock our freezer. So elk and deer. Um, so I, I grew up eating very little like commercial food, except maybe like on you know, special occasions, we would get treats and stuff, or maybe go out to a restaurant or something. But for the most part, my foundation was very nutrition based. Uh, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it really is kind of odd. Um, <laughs> like when you compare, you know, how children are growing up now. But um, right. yeah, so, you know, I graduated high school and went to college and then moved out and then had all this like newfound freedom and just had to kind of go through this period of like almost rebelling against nutrition. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I moved, I grew up in the mountains about 45 minutes, 50 minutes outside of Denver. You know, there were no grocery stores. There were no fast food restaurants. Like you, you literally went grocery shopping once a week. You got what you needed for the week and you made do like there was no Mm -hmm. convenience factor at all. So when I moved down to the city, (laughs) all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, it's everywhere. Exactly. We can go to Taco Bell at, at midnight or we can run to <laughs> King Supers and grab ice cream. Um, so, <laughs> so it was like this whole new world. Oh, totally. Yes. Yeah. Had to like, I guess go through this period of um, taking advantage of all the things that I had been, um, you know, prevented from enjoying when I was little. I used prevented in quotations there. Right. But, uh, Luckily, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So I went through that period and was eating pretty crappy. And um, then 2007, I was diagnosed uh, as being hypothyroid. And mm-hmm. I tried doing some holistic stuff initially. I worked with a, a naturopathic doctor who was really well-versed in uh, thyroid issues. Um, but she was a really, she was really strict vegan and she, it was difficult for her to separate that from how she was treating her patients or at least with, Mm -hmm. so I stopped seeing her and I kind of lost faith in the whole holistic healing thing. So I just went on Synthroid and I've been on Synthroid ever since. So I just kind of did what my doctor said and didn't think anything about it. I didn't change my diet. I didn't know about gluten. I didn't know about Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. So um, 2010, I was just like, okay, well, 
I think it's time that I start cleaning up my diet a little bit in my life and, you know, just be more conscientious about what I'm eating and what I'm putting on my skin and all that kind of stuff. And I started my blog more as a way for me to catalog my recipes and share them with my friends and family because I've always loved to cook ever since I was teeny tiny. And, Uh um, you know, I just would write down my recipes on scraps of paper or I would take something to like a potluck and people like, Oh, I love that recipe. So I was like, Oh, it'd just be easier if I could send somebody a link and say, right. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. I agree. Um, So that was like 2010, I feel like was about the time that there was some major like real food revolution happening. So I kind of was in there right when it was starting to gain a lot of momentum. So I started following, you know, all these real food and traditional food blogs and you know I had already read um, Nourishing Traditions so I followed the Weston A. Price Foundation and so I got really motivated about just the whole movement so yeah it kind of just grew from there and I started really yeah and it was really taking off then yeah that was really like the I think right when we were kind of reaching the peak of all the excitement about bringing about mm-hmm. change and so right it was a really good time for me to start blogging because it, it you know, it made me start assessing things on a deeper level and, you know, learning more about the whole food politics, um, just everything with GMOs and, you know, all the issues surrounding our food system. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it really just kind of grew from there. It started off just being recipes. And then I started writing about raw milk and GMOs and all this stuff. And then it just kind of grew from there. And it, you know, it put me in contact with people that I would have never met otherwise. Some, right. Some of my closest friends are people that I've never actually met in person. Um, <laughs> but we, you know, we talk on Google Hangouts and, and stuff like that all the time. And so we're like, I'm so thankful for it because it really did put me in touch with people that I would have probably never, ever met. And people that have been very influential in my life and, you know, both professionally and personally. So it's been absolutely amazing. Yeah. yeah, it is. And it's, you know, it's, we talk a lot about building community and, and having that support system. And for a lot of people that transition to a real food lifestyle or, or any kind of, you know, holistic or natural living or anything like a little bit different than the mainstream is doing, it's sometimes hard to bring your existing community along with you because, you know, your friends and family, they kind of might be stuck in the old ways or they haven't read what you've read or, or they don't have the health challenges. So it's really important that you like build up that community. And a lot of times that's on online um and it's amazing like you said the depth of the relationships that you can build um even at a distance especially now with you know skype and video chatting and i mean just like the google hangouts everything um not to mention just hopping on the phone right um plus that um but um yeah, it's really something. And, you know, like I said, that was really, I mean, I think we met back in 2010 and, you know, have been blogging ever since. And, you know, ours started as kind of um, a resource for our nutritional therapy practice clients. They were always asking for recipes or, you know, whatever. I was repeating myself time and time again. And I thought, I just need a place to write this down. Right. So I put it there and then it grew from there and it, it took on a life of its own. Um, much like yours did, because once you start building that community, then there's all sorts of, um, you know, new content and questions and information that everybody's kind of looking for. And it's like, oh, I never thought about that or I never thought about writing about that. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. So, and that's like, I mean, you've gotten, 
your your blog has gotten huge. I mean, it's really big. You've really built an amazing um, community there. And I know you've got, like, several books going on. Um, you've written a ton of stuff, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, um, all e-books. Um, I self-published nice. my first uh, cookbook, the um, Keeping It Real cookbook, a couple of years ago. So that's available on Amazon. But I'm actually um, – in the process of revising that one. So we're going to have an uh-huh. edition of it coming out in 2016. That's going to be majorly updated and, and revised. Nice. so yeah, I'm excited about that. So um, yeah, I have, you know, different kinds of eBooks that I, you know, sell in my online shop. And then I also have freebie eBooks that I have written um, just on, you know, smaller topics. So nice. yeah, I kind of write about a whole huge gamut of things. <laughs> You do, you do, and I'm going to put the links um, on the show notes on our blog um, at realfoodwholehealth.com under podcasts. Um, you'll find this episode, and you'll find the show notes there, and I'm going to put links on there to everything that we talk about or reference so that it's easy for people, because I know people listen while they're doing all kinds of things. Um, so I'll have that all there, and your newest book is actually an herbal coffee book. Yep. Um, that was released back, um, around August 1st. No, actually okay. the 17th technically. Uh huh. Um, so that kind of grew out of, um, a lot of people know that I was selling herbal coffee blends. I was actually selling those yes. online, um, the physical blends where you could buy it and, you know, brew it yourself. And I, you know, we have to go all the way back to 2012 when I really started, um, getting serious about my health. Like I already knew that I was um, you know, hypothyroid, but then I started working with, um, an NTP and she suggested getting the testing done for the Mm -hmm. antibodies to see if it was actually autoimmune. And, you know, before 2012, I really didn't know much about autoimmune. I didn't know that there were all these other thyroid tests that you could get done because, you know, your doctors never tell you. Right. Like you just go in, they say, we're going to test your thyroid and they come back and go, usually they go, oh, everything's fine. Right. Right. Your levels are fine. And you're like, well, that's funny because they have every thyroid symptom in the book Mm -hmm. um, and I'm living it day to day, but they're saying it's fine because they only test a very, you know, maybe one or two of the available tests and they rarely do the antibodies when Hashimoto's is the biggest thyroid condition. Yeah, I actually um, have struggled to find a doctor who will even run the extra test the antibody test and everything like the last doctor I still do um you know most of my quote-unquote health care comes from alternative practitioners um research that I've done myself my NTP I have worked with um, naturopaths in the past um but I still do go in and take advantage of my free um you know annual exam every year my insurance might as well I'm paying out the butt for it right (laughs) might as well take advantage well, and it gives you information. You know, yeah. it's a great way to gather information and just see, like, is anything going on I'm not catching? Like, we always talk about the concept of building your health support team. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think that, you know, a physician has a place on that on that team. And, uh, you know, being able to get your blood work and whatever, even though it's not comprehensive, you know, we can get information from that. Exactly. It gives you a starting place because I can take those labs back to my NTP or my naturopath and say, okay, here's what my tests are showing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, where do we go from here? So right. yeah, I do still utilize that. So yeah, the doctor that I saw last year, I think I got my physical last November, I had asked him to run my antibody levels because I hadn't had them run in about a year, year and a half. And he said, nah, that's not important. 
Oh, my gosh. I mean, I know we live in a bubble, like a little real food, natural health bubble, because <laughs> we've built that, you know, around ourselves. And so, and that's great because I love living in my bubble. Right. But it is kind of crazy when you come out of it to go, like, what? Like, what do you mean that's not important? Like, I don't even know what I would say to him. I, I would look at him like he was from another planet. Right, right. Yeah, I just kind of stared at him for a second, and I could tell <laughs> that he was, you know, I've had that happen to me in the past where I've been able to like reason with them. And so they'll, yeah. they'll end up running it. It may be, you know, begrudgingly they'll run it, right. but they will do it. But I could tell by his response that he, he was not going to budge. So I was like, oh, it's not even worth me wasting my breath. So just no. carry on with the exam and I'll be on my way. <laughs> yeah. And I'll do it on my own. Exactly. So, um, so we did, when I got the testing done in 2012, um, my antibody levels were off the charts. Like, you know, so much higher than the reference range that they couldn't even really give me a number. It was just the, yeah. the top reference range number. And they're like, yeah, it's a lot higher than that. So, um, oh, wow. so yeah, that's when I, you know, learned about um, the relationship between, you know, gluten proteins and autoimmune and with Hashimoto's mm-hmm. that's really, really um, huge. So huge. I went, you know, dairy-free, gluten-free. I essentially went, I was eating like more traditional foods up to that point. So I was eating a lot mm-hmm. of grains and legumes and stuff still. So I swung all the way over to the really strict paleo, like hyper strict paleo and kind of went low carb too um, okay. at the same time. So I eliminated a ton of foods and um, I really just got, I had that initial like motivation and excitement, you know, I'm yes. going to change my health and I'm going to get all this stuff figured out. And I was like so optimistic at the time. I guess that I was going to get it all figured out really quick. Yeah. <laughs> so right. Now I'm like over three years into it and I don't have it all figured out and I'm still scraping away at like all of the problems that I've got, you know, we're slowly making progress, but I've learned the valuable lesson that healing, healing takes time, yes. patience, and it's, there's no overnight fixes. <laughs> no. And you know, a lot of people think they're going to get to healthy. Like we talk a lot about the concept of what is healthy. And so I think some people think, oh, it's this like town over here that you're like going to get to and live there. And that's not really true because it's like, yeah, we can get you to where you feel great, you know, every day. And, you you know, these symptoms are kind of gone, but it's really not like you get there and it's done and you never have to work at it again. It really is like I talk more about building in resilience and so like being able to withstand the ups and downs of life and kind of like what comes at you because being healthy doesn't necessarily mean that you're never going to get sick again. It means that you're going to maybe not have it last as long and you're going to have tools in your toolkit so you can, um, you know, support your immune system and support your body as it's fighting off whatever and um, I think a lot of people have like you said a a misconception that oh I'm going to change one thing and it's going to get better overnight and you know I mean when we I I totally agree with you about the energy the initial energy because I got some blood test results back this was like seven eight years ago got some blood test results back with some food allergies and I was like oh wow cut them out overnight we actually kind of went the wrong way we went raw vegan overnight Mm -hmm. Um, and that actually ended up causing some problems. And, um, I mean, now I totally understand why, but, um, at the time I didn't, cause that was the information that was out there, but it actually brought me to nourishing traditions. Um, 
panicked because everybody was talking about soaking your seeds in nuts. I didn't know what that was, so I bought the book and then, you know, totally changed everything. Mm-hmm. So then we went to traditional foods overnight. And now within two months or so, um, most of my symptoms had improved. My day-to-day symptoms, like I was practically bedridden, headache all the time, you know, in in pain constantly, fibromyalgia, all these, like, cycle irregularities, all kinds of junk, right? Mm -hmm. So that got better, really better within two months. And within six months, it was almost like a lot of it had never happened. Mm -hmm. However, years later, I'm still, like you said, uncovering layers and like healing deeper and deeper and deeper. And so like, there'll be this time of like, kind of intense healing. And then, you know, you kind of plateau for a little bit, and then you go and heal a little bit more. Um, especially with autoimmune stuff because it comes in flares and yeah, there's all kinds of layers there to dig down. So it really is a process. So it's not that you can't feel better right away. Um, It's just getting to the really deep stuff and like always improving, you know, it's a journey. Oh, absolutely. I, I love those analogies, both the health as a destination analogy and the layers, because, you know, when I switched over and went, um, low carb, because whenever you've got auto, autoimmune disease, but autoimmune thyroid disease, you're going to have adrenal issues and you're going to have oh, yeah. issues. It's a trifecta right. of health problems and you cannot heal one without healing the other. So I looked no. out blood sugar and managing all of that. And so, you know, I went the low carb paleo and within six months I had lost 40 pounds. So I was feeling mm-hmm. awesome. Right. And then I plateaued um, about um, January, February or so of 2013, and mm-hmm. I maintained that weight um, for about a year, and then um, maybe a little bit less. And then we went through some rough times uh, personally, just a whole bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. And life, life, yeah. So things got rough, and I gained back a ton of weight, and mm-hmm. um, and I had more flares, and I lost sight of my mission, my healing mission, and you know, really kind of regressed some. And so that took a toll on me. You know, you're actually the first person that I've talked to about this. Um, so that mentally, that really took a toll on me, and it's taken mm-hmm. me until actually just. A month or so ago, I really started feeling like my head was getting back in the right place. Mm -hmm. Getting that mindset. Yeah. So, you know, we're like, you know, almost two years after a lot of that stuff happened that it's taken me to really feel like I'm back to a place where I can focus on my health and I can be completely committed to it again. It's not Mm -hmm. just like, okay, back to Taco Bell and all this. No. I was still doing what I needed to do, but maybe not to the extent that my health really needed it and it kind of at that healing level exactly we're at maintenance level eating real food getting the exercise whatever like living the lifestyle but it's like you kind of like have to get that you have to get that mindset and that inspiration again like okay I'm gonna dig deep and like really focus on something yeah I have had um I the digging deep thing has been huge because I think as a matter of fact, Lydia, my co-host and I, our podcast today just went up about mindset and healing. And that's been a oh, huge cool. thing for me because I really had to start digging deep and go to a super deep level trying to figure out why I had a lot of self-sabotage stuff mm-hmm. doing, just things that you don't even really think about. So, um, boy, 
healing. It, the whole <laughs> journey is just, it's mind boggling once you get into it. But anyways, <laughs> it is, it so is. And, you know, I mean, I know so many people who are listening are right there. You know, they've, they've, they've been there, they're, they're about to head there, whatever, you know, it is a journey. And, you know, just like anything, I mean, absolutely anything, there's ups and downs, there's good and bad times, there's, you know, moving forward, moving backwards. But I think the biggest thing is like always sort of having your ship pointed in the right direction. And if you're kind of like sailing on the sea towards that, you know, healthy, whatever, like you can get tossed in the waves and you can go off course a little bit, but you know, you keep coming back to that. And it's like, we have to look at health as a continuum over time. We have to look at, you know, are we moving towards health or away from it? And I think, yeah, a lot of times I think, you know, especially for people in the real food lifestyle, they're not necessarily moving away from it. They're just sort of standing still. They're not necessarily like, you know, working on something or, you know, and I think that's healthy actually a little bit. Like, I don't think we always need to be like working on something at a deep level. Like you can't sustain that. And like life happens. Mm -hmm. So it really does come and go in waves. It absolutely does. That's going to ebb and flow. Um, But it, you know, it's great to just keep heading in that direction. And I think if you're conscious about it, I think if you're mindful, I think that makes such an enormous difference because you can say like, okay, yeah, you know, I'm having a little more leeway right now. I'm having a little downtime. I'm maintaining. Doesn't mean I'm running through Taco Bell or McDonald's. It doesn't mean like I'm on 27 prescriptions. It just means, you know, I'm, I'm just holding, holding steady. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's just, I think it's an important thing for people to realize, especially, you know, certain personalities, it doesn't, um, like these setbacks are maybe not as, um, quote unquote harmful, but mm-hmm. like, I tend to be the type A control freak, everything perfectionist. <laughs> the thing is the perfectionism mindset that I've had about, you know, if I can't do everything perfect, then what's the point of even trying to do it? So I'm constantly right. striving to do everything like cram in, like I need to do this, 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 and this for my health every single day. And so I have to cram that into my end of my day. And then, you know, it's just impossible to live and be fluid with life if you have that rigid mindset. And so that's probably been my biggest stumbling block that I've had to slowly start working through. And I, I'm excited that I've actually just in the last couple of months really had some pretty big epiphanies where I'm finally feeling like I'm breaking through that rigidity that I've had all these years and yeah I'm I'm excited to see that's all awesome. level that I can go to with my healing so it's so huge because that you know honestly I I've been there too with that rigid mindset and especially when we first started on the journey and we first started blogging and I started seeing, you know, all these changes and you know as I became a nutritional therapist and like started working with people you know when you have that knowledge and it's like you know, why are you sick? You have to do boom, 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 this, 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 like, ta-da, in a box, uh-huh. in a vacuum, like, totally works, right? But with life, and like you said, like, you can't, you can't just impose that upon yourself. And, and it's not kind to do that to yourself. It doesn't, it's stressful. It doesn't allow for anything else to come in. Mm-hmm. And it's tough. It's really tough. So there is all about the balance. And I think it is sort of like a pendulum swing because I find that in the beginning, you absolutely go all the way over to, you know, pure compliance. Like I'm going to do everything. Like I've thrown everything in my house away. Um, 
you know, I'm on this 100%. And then you swing back and you kind of rebel against it, like, you know, and maybe not all the way, right? right. Like we said, you're not going to McDonald's Taco Bell, but you're, it's, you know, like, oh, my gosh, this is exhausting. This is so much. I'm missing out on time with family or friends or I can't do this or I can't, you know, whatever junk gets in your brain. Because we all know that you can still have time with family and friends and real food. But you go, that pendulum goes back and you're like, ugh. And then it has to kind of come and settle in the middle so that there's this balance. And that's a process. And for some people, that's six months. For some people, that's six years. (laughs) And sometimes the pendulum goes back and forth a few times. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the perfect perfect analogy for it. That really sums it up. It's a great way to look at it. And yeah, you're going to have those flare ups where it swings some to the left and then you're going to have that motivation where it swings back to the right. But really, yeah, finding that equilibrium and your balance so that you're not going insane in either direction. (laughs) Right. It's so true. It's so true. And so, you know, I know that like for you, that herbs have been a big part of it, especially like you were talking about with the adrenal support, thyroid support and liver support, because the liver is like this huge player. So many people talk about, you know, thyroid adrenals, thyroid adrenals. Well, hello, liver. Yes. Oh, because it's, it's the biggest thing in that trifecta. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the liver, man, I am all about liver support. And I just, um, I actually am going to be doing some more in-depth research on liver support. I I already know quite a bit just from my own research that I've done and then that through my practitioner and everything. But um, yeah, man, when you get autoimmune and you've got a slow thyroid and you've got adrenal problems, you know, not only are those organs slowing down your entire body is slowing down and your liver is getting sluggish. And so what yeah. happens is all of these toxins and the chemicals that your liver should be filtering out are not getting filtered as well as they should be. And you're essentially becoming toxic on the inside. So liver support, I absolutely love, I mean, you have to love your liver. You have to love your liver. Yeah. So, you so do because, you know, we've never been, as as a human population, we've never been inundated with so many toxins before as we are now. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, it's everywhere you look. And it doesn't matter. Like, I had to come to grips with this. It doesn't matter how clean you try to live. Like, there's no way to cut it all out. Like, you can help reduce the burden. You can eat clean food. You can use non-toxic products in your home and your personal care. All of that. You know, you can have water filters and air filters and, like, anything mm-hmm. um and you can live in a clean place we were very careful about picking our property in new hampshire for the farm but i'm telling you it doesn't matter like it's still out there yeah. and that's not to be discouraging it's just reality and so we need a lot more support than we used to people always go oh why you know paleo people didn't have supplements and you know we didn't have this you know 100 years ago and it's like well we didn't have near the pollution and the stress and the you know the EMFs and that, I mean, everything, right? We live in a completely different world. I mean, there's no time in history that we have had a world that is so toxic and dangerous for us to live in. And it, yeah, like I'm with you, it's not to sound grim, but it's to have a realistic approach. Like you can do all these things to support your health, but you have to, honestly, you have to like relinquish a little bit of the control because it's in your air, it's in your water, it's in our soil, it's in the pavement that we walk on it's in the grass that we walk on there's no avoiding it you can't live in an airtight bubble no and you don't want to 
No, absolutely. I so, mean, you might want yeah. to if you, <laughs> especially on in the beginning of the journey where you're like start watching the documentaries and like you are scared of everything and you feel completely betrayed by anybody you ever trusted—doctors, <laughs> <laughs> government, parents, right. teachers. I mean, really, like it. But <laughs> it's that pendulum again. Like you're gonna yeah, over is. to the left and then over to the right, and then you you'll have to settle on a place that makes you comfortable and that you can live with. Like, you know, I probably, I consider myself really clean when it comes to skincare and the products that I use in my house and, um, you know, in my own personal environment where I can control it. But to other people, I may seem really lax. Some people may take it to a whole new, on a whole nother level. And maybe they're, then that might be where their comfort level is. So I've figured out over the years where I'm comfortable with it. I, that, allows me to be as healthy and create a healthy environment without completely losing my mind. So really just you have to find that balance for what works for you. You so do. And, you know, we talked about supplements, and I know we keep circling back back around to the herbs. But, you know, I mean, all of these are so important. And, and, you know, again, this is information that – people in the community, um, in the real food community, you know, need and need to understand because, you know, we're all in it together. And I don't, I think a lot of times people look at, you know, some of the bloggers or the practitioners or whatever, and they go, oh my gosh, they totally have it all figured out. Um, you know, they're spot on. They're like to health, right? They're in that town. They're living there. Like it's, this pristine, amazing place. And it's like, no, we live in the real world. Things go up and down, but the biggest thing is to have these things, these tools in your toolbox um, so that when things happen and you know that you're not feeling your best or you know you're going to take it to a deeper level of healing or, or whatever's going on, that you have these things to rely on. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what you've created um, with the herbal coffees. And so I think that you, before what, before I got you way off on a tangent, you were because <laughs> that happens, yeah. right? Um you know, we were talking about how you were doing liver support with herbs and you had actually created this blend to come in to, to substitute for coffee because you sort of found out that coffee was not the best for you with your autoimmune stuff. Right. So, yeah. Oh, boy. The coffee good versus the coffee bad debate. That is. Right. I know. Boy, that's a huge one. So It's a big one. <laughs> And there's going to be people on both sides of the fences. I mean, there's studies that say drinking black coffee is good for you. And then there's going to be studies that say it's bad for you. So you really have to figure out what you're comfortable with. Um, In my case, I, based on my own research, and once I really started paying attention to how my body was reacting um, and started, you know, uh, once you know what signs to look for, um, I mean, one of the major things with coffee is that it affects your blood sugar levels. So for me, whenever I went... And we're talking black coffee. We're not talking adding in cream and sugar. We're talking actually black coffee. Yeah, even, I mean, just the caffeine, any form of caffeine is going to increase your your blood sugar levels. So, and that's aggravated when people are adding sugar and all this stuff to their coffee too. So I found, like, once I started recognizing the symptoms of what blood sugar problems looked like, I could see the effects that coffee was having on me. Um, okay. And this was like caffeinated coffee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I was a Starbucks addict. So back in 2012, I was still working in an office um, and I was very unhappy with my job at that time. And Starbucks was a comfort for me. So mm-hmm. I would go 
at least once a day and sometimes I would go twice a day mm-hmm. <laughs> and I wasn't getting just like straight coffee and adding some cream in there I was getting light pumpkin spice lattes and caramel right. macchiatos and all this bad stuff which if you made it in your own kitchen wouldn't have like the, near the ingredients that it does because it seems like to your brain it's like oh it's just like pumpkin spice latte coffee but we don't know oh. everything that's in there and I mean and the crazy numbers um, on that sugar count, oh, like yeah. it's crazy high, it's crazy like, high. You know, ten teaspoons of sugar in one coffee, one smaller yeah. drink. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> so, so <laughs> I, um, you know, I was never a person. Caffeine does not have any effect on me as far as like being a stimulant that keeps me awake or anything. Like I've always okay. told people that I'm the type of person that could drink a six pack of Mountain Dew and go straight to sleep. So <laughs> it doesn't. I was never a coffee drinker for the buzz. I was a coffee yeah. for the flavor. I absolutely adore the flavor and the smell of coffee. Even yeah. to this day, I use coffee in a different fashion now. I use it for detoxifying. <laughs> I don't know if right. talked about coffee enemas, but I use coffee in that form. Now as part of we it. have talked about that. Okay, I'm going to awesome. link to that article too. Yeah, we've absolutely talked about that on the blog. So your readers are not going to be completely like, what? Well, some might be. <laughs> But that's okay. It's like, we'll introduce you. Awesome. <laughs> so I still use coffee and I still have that, like, sometimes that craving for it when I'm grinding my coffee beans for my my coffee time, quote unquote coffee time. Um, I still smell it. And I just, it transports me to a time like where the coffee was just a huge comfort for me. Yeah, it is a huge comfort. And it's like, you know, um, we've built a whole culture around that. And, and it, you know, I think there's a ritual there. There's, you know, you've got a warm, lovely cup. There's the latte art. There's the um, the smell in the coffee houses. There's that whole coffee house vibe. Um, there's a ton that goes into that. Like, it's all your senses. It's not just oh, I'm drinking this thing for a buzz because it really is like a pleasure. And so, you know, I mean, a lot of people can do that with tea. They can do that with whatever. Like there are substitutes, but it's that ritual. It's that comfort. It's the warming. Um, I totally get that. I totally get that. And I've never been a huge coffee fan. Mm-hmm. Um, like I I don't do coffee in the morning. Like usually if I'm going to do coffee, it's organic fair trade decaf and it's um, – a latte and it's in the afternoons, you know, if we're usually when we're out and about or um, we just want to like run by a coffee house and just hang out and talk, you know, usually we're doing some business. So we're, you know, writing up outlines or doing brainstorming or whatever. And it's just that whole ritual around it. Um, but I'm like, I, you know, I actually couldn't take the caffeine. That was a big thing for me. Like I have adrenal issues and, um, kind of similar story to yours, you know, hypothyroid. I'm not Hashimoto's, but um, am hypothyroid, do have adrenal issues, definitely have liver stuff going on. Um, I've gone down that rabbit hole of the MTHFR, like all of that kind of stuff, which we don't have to get into right now Um, because I know some people are like, what is that? Um, But absolutely could not handle um, the caffeine. But love that flavor, love the ritual, Absolutely. Yeah. Totally get that. Yeah, it's a huge thing. So I um I knew that I had to give it up, uh, just for the sake of my blood sugar and it you know, it does affect your adrenals, it dehydrates yeah. you. Um yeah. and it can be gluten cross reactive too. And so, you know, I had gone super strict with the gluten stuff and I was like, Okay, well anything that could potentially create an antibody response in my body, 
I needed to get rid of it. So, um, so I did it. I gave it up cold turkey. Um, it was, uh, it was hard for me to give up that relationship with the coffee, that ritual of the flavor and the scent and the comfort and all of that stuff. The coffee itself wasn't, you know, hard for me to give up. It was everything that surrounded the coffee experience. So, you know, I switched to herbal tea. Um, you know, I, even black tea, I was drinking a little bit of black tea. So I was getting some caffeine, but, um, you know, I just could not replicate that experience with just an herbal tea. I mean, I tried every herbal tea under the sun. I mm-hmm. uh, even black tea lattes and chai teas and all the stuff. And there was just still something missing. And so, um, I decided to just start making my own herbal coffees. There were, you know, some on the market that I had tried that, uh, were, um, decent flavor. I, they, I never really found one that really satiated my taste buds like I wanted yeah. Um, and then I started really paying closer attention to the ingredients. And a lot of the ones are made from gluten containing, um, uh, grains. So like barley and rye tend to be the big mm-hmm. And even the ones that are gluten free, um, can still contain a certain parts per million of gluten. And so the practitioner I was working with at the time, I asked her about it. I was like, should I stop drinking this? And she's like, well, um, yeah, you might want to, because even if you're not having a physical reaction to the gluten protein, it could be activating an antibody response on your cellular level, and you don't really mm-hmm. know that. So, like, I would, yeah, you wouldn't know. Exactly. I would just steer clear um, of that. So I decided to give that up, too. I'm like, okay, well, now I've got to, like, figure something out. So, so <laughs> now I'm in trouble. Yeah, exactly. So, um I started playing around, you know, chicory and dandelion roots have been used as coffee substitutes for millennia. Um, You know, chicory has been added into, to coffees to help extend the coffee beans whenever there's been coffee bean shortages. Um, You know, it's really common. I think even in like New Orleans, they have chicory coffee, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so yeah, that, and it has, uh, especially the roasted root has a really strong coffee-like flavor. So that's, um, chicory is going to be used in almost every coffee substitute out there on the market, mm-hmm. just because of its flavor profile. Um, and then dandelion roots, the roasted dandelion root also have kind of a coffee-like flavor. So I started messing around with those and was getting some good results. I was like, okay, yeah, I can do this. I can, I can do that. So um, then I started playing around. Once I started learning more about liver support, I was like, okay, well, what can I do to boost the nutrition of my herbal coffee? So mm-hmm. that's when I started looking at milk thistle seed um, and burdock roots and uh, started adding those into my blends. And I really, really enjoyed the flavor and my, gave some to my mom and some friends. And they're like, oh, this is great. They really liked it. Nice. So, um, so I was like, okay, cool. Um, so I was – you know, chicory, dandelion, all of the herbs actually are really good for your liver. Um, they are, yeah. Milk thistle seed, and they're good for digestion too, which helps support the liver. So they're good for that whole system. Um, you know, and milk thistle seeds specifically have been used for liver support forever in herbal. Oh, yeah. So that's a huge one. Milk thistle's amazing. Yes, it does really good stuff for the body. So, um, so I was pretty stoked with that. I was like, I'm getting the flavor that I want and I can, I've recreated this, you know, comforting ritual that I had been missing, but I'm also doing something really healthy for my body. So I was really excited. Exactly. So I, um, I started, I kind of perfected my formulas and then, um, last year, actually in November of last year, so 2014, 
I decided to start just selling them on Etsy. And that was actually the encouragement of one of my friends. She's like, you should just sell them and see, you know, see if anybody wants them because she likes them. And I was like, oh, you know, I had never, ever even considered starting to sell them. I was like, oh, who's going to buy this? <laughs> like, right. This is just for me. I'll yeah. give it to friends and family. And yeah. Yeah. But everybody was like, oh, I'm loving it. So why not? Why not? Yeah. So it went, you know, I started selling on Etsy and it went crazy. I had no idea <laughs> that people were going to like it so much. So I was like, wow, this is so cool. Like, I'm helping all these people. Because so many people started emailing me and saying the same thing that I had said. They either had to give up coffee, you know, for health reasons and that they were really missing that ritual and all that stuff. Or they had, like, loved ones that had had to give up coffee and they were looking for that substitute. So there was really a strong need for some sort of substitute that tasted right that was also completely grain-free. The big thing for me is that it couldn't have any kind of gluten-containing grains in it. So it was strictly an herbal-based product. So, um, so yeah, I spent the first part of, um, 2015, you know, building that product line and, you know, building up the marketing and everything surrounding it. And I actually had made some really big plans. I was, you know, working on trying to pitch to some stores and to get some bigger manufacturing set up and everything. And then, um, I was, I needed to get, you know, labels professionally designed and I need to get nutrition panels done. And um, boy, you have no idea what's entailed with taking a product to market until you're actually in the thick of it. That's amazing. Stuff that I had never even considered. And, you know, I had hired some consultants that were kind of advising me and I was neck deep in research. And so I had this long list of stuff that I was, was doing because I wanted to make sure that I was in full compliance, that I had you know, great packaging, you know, everything needed to be in line before I could go and pitch to health food stores and stuff like that. So that's crazy because you think (laughs) here's a a product that people are loving that's actually really good for them. Like, let's just get it out there. And then it's all these hurdles. Like I remember seeing um, pictures on Facebook of you like in the commercial kitchen with health, like you guys were mixing all these herbs and stuff like it it took off like crazy fast. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was awesome. It was so much work, but yeah, I ha- you know, I had to rent a commercial kitchen space um, just for, you know, the laws, you know, certain states have the cottage laws mm-hmm. where you can make stuff in, in your own home, but um, Colorado's cottage laws didn't extend to what I was doing. So, okay. um, so I had to, you know, rent out a commercial kitchen space, which, you know, with a big investment, I had to get all of my licenses from the state there's all these costs that you and, and things and hurdles that you have to jump through wow. in order to do things, you know, legally. So, but I, you know, but you were doing it. Yes, absolutely. And I don't, you know, I don't play around when it comes to my business. This is something that I'm very serious about. This is my livelihood. This is what I do yeah. to help support our family. So I am not going to skip hurdles. I'm going to make sure that all of my ducks in a row, that I'm meeting all of the laws, that I'm doing everything legally. So Right. And so I was really working through that. And so the big hurdle um, and kind of my life changing event happened when I um, hired some FDA consultants. I worked with three different consultants. Um, and these, so these are people, they don't actually work for the FDA. Mm-hmm. They are labeling experts. And so they consult with people at the FDA on ensuring that brands labels meet all of the labeling laws that the United States has set forth. So okay. their nutrition panels, uh, whatever language they're using, their marketing, all of this stuff has to be in compliance with what the FDA and the USDA has set forth. 
okay. the legal requirements. So there's a lot of hurdles there too. Um, and it can get really expensive really fast. So I, I bet hiring them because I needed to get the labels professionally designed, which means the nutrition panels and the specific verbiage that I could use for selling it and all of that. So I went into this selling this as a food product. Um, and I was, you know, I already knew from all of my years of blogging that I could not make health claims for it. I can't go into this saying right. that this is going to cure your liver disease or this is going to do that or whatever. So I was selling this strictly as a food product, um, you know, to, to just help people. You know, right. Not a coffee, coffee substitute. So um, after working with them, I worked with three different ones and it was a process of maybe about three months. And, um, we came to the conclusion based on their research and based on what they had uh, discovered as they were talking to people at the FDA that um, it really needed to be classified as a supplement and not a food. Oh, God. So, <laughs> so there's a whole, My head's already spinning with all that you had to go through for this just to sell a wonderful little blend on Etsy. Like, it's just, it's incredible to me, all the red tape. Um, oh, yes. But the fact that you know, now that can't even be a food. It's like, oh my gosh. When you get into supplement realm, that's a whole different set of laws. Um, for as little as supplements tend to be regulated in the United States, they actually are regulated. There are certain things right. that you have to do. They have to be manufactured in a specific type of facility. Um, you know, your, your language on your packaging and your marketing have to be a certain way. You have a different kind of um, supplement panel that you have to put on there. You have to get testing on your formulas done. Um, there has to be actual scientific testing done on it in a lab that breaks down everything. So really, it, it puts you into a whole different world. So I went wow. from creating um, a food product that I was looking at as food um, to creating a supplement. And so that meant that I had to make the decision of whether or not I wanted to run a supplement company. Right. So I spent a lot of time really assessing this because I had, you know, I really thought that this was like my thing. This, I was going to launch this huge product and this was going to be my thing. <laughs> so, um, so I decided after much contemplation and I consulted with a ton of people and I did a lot of prayer on it that I did not want to run a supplement company, you know, looking no. at the state of supplements in the United States and the problems that people, that supplement companies run into on a constant basis, I just yeah. did not see that being a healthy venture for me, even sure. though I loved this product, I was you know, really committed to it and bringing it to a larger audience. I just decided that it was not something that my health was going to be able to tolerate. And frankly, five years down the road, I didn't see myself running a supplement company. So <laughs> I pulled everything from the market and closed down shop on that. So I um I had to go through this That's horrible. <laughs> I had to go through a grieving process. It was really tough. Yeah. Um so then I was like, okay, well what can I do to like still I didn't know what I was gonna do with my formulas. I had been contacted by some companies to sell them my formulas and they would take over manufacturing. So I would essentially just be giving the formulas away and letting them take over everything. Um and I didn't, I wasn't comfortable with that because I wasn't sure if this was maybe something that I would want to explore later on down the road. So I just, I didn't, didn't know what I was going to do. And then one day it was just like, you know what, I'm going to create a guide, a comprehensive herbal coffee blending guide that I can sell in my community and help people, um, you know, do it themselves. We've got lots of do-it-yourselfers and I can give them this knowledge 
and let them run with it. And so I decided that that was the best way for me to go. So I was still kind of in control of my baby. Right. <laughs> but you're going to open source it. Exactly. <laughs> a different, a different, a different way of presenting it to the world. So that's how my um, herbal coffee guide was born. And so I, you know, went through and I created a digital resource and, you know, there's detailed information about all of the ingredients and about caffeine and about health. And then you get all of my proprietary formulas too. There's five total proprietary formulas that I share in the book. So people can, um, they can recreate, they're the exact formulas for the coffees I was selling. So if you were in love with the happy liver or the clean living, you can create it exactly like I was creating it and still have it. Or you can take these and, you know, you can tweak it. If you decide you want a little more chicory or you want to add some extra milk thistle or whatever, you can tweak it to your own taste too. So really it gives the power back to the consumer and you guys can tweak it and, you know, come up with a blend that you truly love. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, that was the, that was a whole long part of that, that journey. And it was a really, it was an important journey for me to have because I learned more about things that I never thought I would have to <laughs> encounter. So I'm just so mind boggled at what it actually takes. And to get this out, I mean, it's just, it's kind of crazy because it's like, oh, here's this little lovely thing I've made in my kitchen and I'm going to sell it and share it with people. And then it became this entire, almost nightmare, really, by the time it was done. And then it was like, you know what? And then you came on the other side of it and said, you know what? I'm going to open source this. I'm going to get the word out. And then, and you did it. And the book is beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, that chai has just got me like drooling. I mean, it's amazing. Like you, you throw cinnamon and cardamom and cloves and ginger on and star anise, especially on anything. And I'm going to just go insane, but that's just so amazing. And I love that everything's just so clean because it's straight up, um, herb, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's amazing. And then you actually took it, like you even have a cocoa blend, in there, yeah. in the book. Yeah, so I have, um, like, my proprietary recipe. So I was only selling the Clean Living and the Happy Liver blend at the time that I closed down production. But uh-huh. I'm working on that chai blend. Let's see, there's the cocoa, and then there's a pumpkin spice blend that I have plans mm-hmm. on launching later this year, like, right around this time. So I, those right. are still in development. So I got everything in gear, and I just, you know, I got those figured out so that I could add them to this book so that they didn't, you know, go to waste or anything. So, um yeah, so I have the base formulas, so you can, you know, you can make these base formulas and then just add a little bit of cream or sweetener or whatever you like for your coffee. But then I also have um, the coffee shop, is, I call it your personal coffee shop. So um, nice. there's a ton of recipes in there. I think there's 18 total recipes for coffee shop inspired drinks. So if you're missing your caramel macchiato or your, you know, cafe au lait and all that kind of stuff, I... I show you how to make those and recreate it because, you know, like as you alluded to earlier, like part of this ritual of coffee is that coffee shop and that smell of the coffee shop and that just that feeling you get when you walk into a coffee shop. So now you can create it at home. You can do something healthy for your body and still enjoy those delicious drinks. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. I love it. And I mean, the salted caramel macchiato, buttered almond toffee latte. I mean, Yum. 
<laughs> all using real food ingredients. Like there's actual butter in there, not right. you know, artificial butter flavoring, which is what is used in a lot of the commercial coffee drinks. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, these are all wholesome ingredients. They could be made with dairy or without dairy. Um, you can use whatever sweeteners you want. So really, um, again, you can kind of customize those to your own specific taste and dietary needs. Cause I, right. There's a huge, like, um, even the AIP crowd really likes the blends um, because AI, when you go on the autoimmune protocol, which is AIP, um, that coffee is one of the main things that you have to give up um, mm-hmm. among all sorts of other things. But coffee is typically the hardest thing for a lot of people. So the, the AIP folk really were a big chunk of my customers whenever I was selling the blends. So. Yeah, because how great, you know, they find, they find this thing that's totally compliant and made by somebody that gets it. And I always think that's so important because, yeah, there's coffee, like you said earlier, coffee substitutes on the market, but um, they very often do have those, um, you know, they're grain-based. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to be able to have something very clean and all herbal and, you know, done from that perspective, I think is so huge. So I'm, I'm just so excited that it's available um, and there's amazing combinations in here that I would not have even thought of. So I think that that's really exciting. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I think we're going to start instituting like a afternoon coffee break, herbal coffee break <laughs> on our trip. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Because actually it is, it is totally about that ritual and it's totally about the relaxing and, um, and, you know, coming together and it, just taking that time, taking that you know, downtime and, and being mindful about it. And I think that any, any ritual like this, like where you're, you know, working with ingredients, I mean, any kind of cooking, but something especially like this where, you know, you're taking these ingredients and you're blending them and, um, and then you're steeping them and all of these things, like throughout all that, it's a very mindful process. Mm-hmm. It's meditative almost. Mm-hmm. That's phenomenal. Well, I'm definitely going to put the link um, to the book on our show notes. Um, so, again, everybody listening, uh, realfoodwholehealth.com. Under podcasts, you'll find this episode and the show notes um, with a link to the DIY Herbal Coffee book. Um, Jessica, again, thank you so much for being here. This has just been fabulous. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I had a, a really good time. Hopefully... Hopefully it was not too boring in, in certain aspects of our conversation. So. I don't think so. I think I think our listeners totally love everything that we jam on. And, you know, that's really, that's what the podcast is all about. It's kind of like we're just all sitting down for a big cup of herbal coffee and so and just having a chat. So you never know where the conversation leads, and I love that. Yep, absolutely. I don't do well with scripted out stuff. I like to just go with the flow. You know, there's so much that's like formulaic, right? Everybody's got questions and structure and this and that. And, and I do think that, you know, podcasting's great. It's wonderful for community. And, but a lot of times it feels so like, here's information into your brain, like right now. Right. And I feel like, 
we get so much of that. And so this is kind of that space where everybody can just sort of like take a breath, grab that tea, grab that herbal coffee, whatever, curl up, listen. Even if you're doing other things at the time, it's that energy of, hey, we're just girlfriends sitting around talking and sharing. And do we learn things along the way? Absolutely. But I think it's more about building that community and that connection. And I think we're missing that from our lives so much. I agree. I totally agree. So thank you so much for sitting down with me today and creating that community. Thank you for having me. (laughs) All right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining us today. And please remember to leave us an iTunes review. Also, head over to our website at realfoodwholehealth.com and enter your email to receive free goodies, discounts, updates, and more. See you next time on the Real Food Whole Health Podcast.